Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Dr. Wright Breaks It Down for You. My name is Jessica, and I'm here with my dad, Dr. Wright. Hey, Dad. Hi, Jessica. So St. Patrick's Day was a couple weeks ago, and I started thinking about the potato famine and Ireland and how that all happened. I first thought that Ireland had become this desolate country, you know, like in the Midwest during the Dust Bowl in the 1930s, that the soil became useless and you couldn't grow anything in the ground. So I was really, really surprised to hear that wasn't the case at all, that Ireland didn't go through a Dust Bowl during the potato famine. Lots of other crops grew. So then why did 1.5 million people starve to death if, you know, you there know, was nothing wrong with the countryside? You're absolutely right. I had the opportunity to go on a bike tour of, of Ireland and it was wonderful. And one of the head guys was a professor of history. And it was so interesting to hear him talk about what happened. I mean, we're talking about 1.5 million people actually starving to death when there was green grass and there was plants being grown and animals being exported. Because you feel like a lot of these tragedies happen. I guess I'm picturing countries in Africa, you know, and there's wars going on. But there wasn't a war. There wasn't really any reason why it should have been a problem getting aid to these people. You know, the more I've read, they actually are saying that there was a war going on, that there was almost a genocide. They didn't want the Irish there. The Brits didn't want them there. Matter of fact, there's a political writer named John Mitchell, and he wrote in 1846, The Almighty indeed sent the potato blight, but the English created the famine. Because, see, Ireland's a beautiful, beautiful country. It grows barley and wheat and all kinds of cabbage and grasses. And they have all kinds of animals there. They have sheep and pigs and cows and all kinds of beautiful stuff. What happened was, in about the 1650s, the British conquered Ireland because it's so beautiful. And they instituted what's called penal law. And that penal law was really, really strict. Irish Catholics, and 80% of the people there were Catholic, were not allowed to own land. Wow. Go to school, vote, become a professional... And they all were stuck in being poor laborers. And so you have these landowners from Britain who charge taxes and rent for people to use the land. And that was the start of the whole thing. That was the start of this whole tragedy. The landowners took apart the land and they rented it to these people. And they kept on making the land smaller and smaller. It's kind of like if you had a house that you rented out and you go, I could make more money if I rented out one room per family rather than one family per house. Totally. And so before you had these very, very large farms that these people lived on and they grew barley and all these different plants, but then they cut the land up to about an acre to two acres to three acres per family. Now an acre is about the size of a football field and oh. you cannot pay taxes, feed your family, feed your livestock, and make a profit if you have a farm that grows barley the size of a football field. You got a house, you got some rocks in the way, you can't do it. Wow, and so yeah. the only thing they could actually grow were potatoes. Now the potatoes were good, they had vitamins, they had carbohydrates, you could live on potato. It's interesting because I remember in the research that the potato crop had failed before. It's not like this had never ever happened, but yet that's just so horrible that people knew that the food was, I don't want to say cursed, but... The potato was really a very sensitive plant. Back in 1773, which is about 80 years before the potato famine, they lost the entire potato crop. And they lost wow. it again in Ireland in 1807. So it wasn't that long before that they lost the entire crop. I mean, you can imagine the fight between fathers and sons saying, you cannot put our family dependent on such a delicate plant as the potato. But when you cut the land smaller and smaller, that's all you had to work with. And so now you have all these very, very, very poor people living on small farms, all planting potatoes. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden comes in the blight. And what it is, it's a spore kind of a thing 
that just wipes out the potato crop. It makes it so you can't even eat it. It turns into mush. And when you only have one product that you have and the blight hits you, you have nothing now. Where do they go? Well, some yeah. starved to death. Many got on ships and they went to America or England and other countries and right. tried to make a new life for themselves. Again, half a million Irish were evicted from their land and then more millions just got up and left. But while this is going on, these big ranches owned by the British still had all their food going. They lost the potato crop, but the cabbage and the wheat and the barley and the cows were doing fine. They wow. exported more food during the years of the famine than they ever did. They'd have armed guards because all this food is being shipped out. And so all this expensive boutique food is leaving Ireland while people are starving to death. And so it was really a horrible, horrible situation when you look at the whole thing. The British seemed to be using it as a land grab. And those people's devastation was somebody else's benefit. And it's a terrible thing. It's horrible. Yeah. So let's say that you're in Ireland, poor farmer during the potato famine. How do you get out of that situation? How do you survive? And I thought about that. And I think what you have to do in any situation is you have to look ahead. You can't be the last one to find out that the boat's sinking. If you're going to go away and go to America, if you're going to make that jump, you got to do it early, not late. And so that's the first thing is you got to make a commitment early. Now, the big thing is if you want to keep your land in Ireland, I would find my smartest kid or the smartest kid in the neighborhood and say, we're all, all going to pool money. We need you to go to Australia or Britain or America. Get a job and send back money. We need money. If we had money, we can hold our land. We can help our neighbors keep their land and we can buy food. And a lot of people did that. Sometimes you get the heck out of Dodge. You got to just leave. And the last thing is there's the difficult decision to have a revolt to go against your oppressors, to have the civil war, to take up arms and say, we deserve better than this. And that's a tough one. What the Irish did is all three of those things. They did leave. They did send people to America to bring back funds. And they did revolt against their oppressors. The truth of the matter is, I think, don't wait. If you see problems, you make a decision to better your situation as early as possible. A second thing is, you look at all your avenues and the third thing is, there comes a point when you have to make a change. Wow. Well, thanks so much, Dad, for looking all that up. I never realized that it was a political problem, and that's really awful. I always well, thought it was Catholics and Protestants, but it's not. It's always the rich and the poor, the powerful yeah. and the ones who don't have the power. Yeah. And it's, it's not religious at all. It's all about money. Yeah. It's really sad. Yeah. It's really sad. Well, everyone, thanks so much for tuning in, and we will see you all next week. Forget, if you have any ideas, send them our way. Oh, yes, we would definitely love to hear them all. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Ted.